Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our generous sponsors, BetterHelp and Arcat.com. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Aya Schlachter, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, it's great to have you here, Aya. Aya is the CEO and owner of MGS Global Group, a female minority-owned business that supports architecture and design firms. Her team provides Revit, Archicad, AutoCAD, and 3D visualization services to architects and interior designers. Aya holds a master's degree in architecture and urban design from Columbia University and a bachelor's degree in architecture from the New Jersey Institute of Technology. And her interest in the hospitality industry led her to further her education through Harvard University's Hospitality Design and Planning Professional Development Program. She's an international speaker and hosts the Architect My Life podcast, which you should go subscribe to. And she spotlights women business owners in the creative field. So lots of women architects she talks to as well. So she's an advocate for the profession. She's a leader in the profession. She's a member of the Entree Architect Network and a very active contributor at our Entree Architect Community Facebook group. She's always looking for ways to help architects grow. And so you should look her up, check her out. MGS Global Group is the website. I'll remind you about that at the end as well. 
but you should go check out Aya and see what she's doing. Welcome, Aya. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm looking forward to sharing your story. Why don't we start there? Start with your origin story. So talk about when you discovered your passion for architecture, who or what inspired you to get started, and then what's your journey to where we are today? So when I was younger, I really enjoyed fashion design, but my dad encouraged me to take up architecture and said, you know what, architecture is the foundation of all the arts. So if you have an architecture degree, you can become an interior designer, decorator, fashion consultant, whatever it is. Yeah. So I was in the Philippines. I'm from the Philippines. We graduate high school at 16. Wow. So at 16, I really didn't know. Yeah, pretty early. <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I was a creative. So I ended up in architecture, moved from the Philippines to New Jersey at like 18. I did two years in the Philippines. Did your whole family move? When you were 18? No, just me and my sister. Okay. And you came for education? Yeah, for education. Like 19 years old, never been to the U.S. and then moved to Newark, New Jersey. So went to finish my undergrad there in architecture. And then I really enjoyed urban design and urban planning. Originally, I really wanted to go back home to the Philippines because in the Philippines, I'm rooted to, you know, Cebu where I'm from. And I mm-hmm. wanted to help with public housing and things like that. So I took up my master's in architecture and urban design in Colombia, hoping to go back to the Philippines and help with public housing and public projects. But that didn't happen. I met my now husband, Larry Schlachter, and you know I decided to stay in New York City. Worked for maybe five years for two firms, one in Connecticut and one and a few in New York City. And you know, the typical what happens, we get married, have a baby. But I knew way back that I wanted to start my business. I think I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So I knew I was going to pay my dues and, you know, work for five, six years, which I did. So I finally quit my job to take care of my daughter. You know, I gave birth to my daughter and I didn't know what to do, really. So for a few months, we were living very modestly in a one-bedroom apartment in Queens, Jackson Heights. So I'm like, you know, I'm taking care of my baby and I didn't know what to do. So I decided to take my ARE's studying for the exams. But then my bosses, you know, they had all these project surges. So they asked me, hey, after four months of giving birth, do you want to work for us? So I started doing drafting for my former contractors, doing awning drawings. And so I started doing that. And I kind of forgot that I should be a licensed architect, but I still tried to. So that was the start of MGS, really. And then I had this huge opportunity to work for a big retail company And it's now a publicly traded company. So I started drafting for them. And then I hired two of my girlfriends. We were working at home. I had pizza for them. So we were able to produce like 300 stores in six months. My husband would come home. I'm like with my baby and two other people. We were just having fun. And I knew that was my career path, you know, to veer away from architecture and serve architects instead. So that was the origin of MGS, all started in Jackson Heights, New York City. In 2008, there was a big recession. My husband and I decided to move to the Philippines. We still continued some of our work, and I built the team there, the drafting team in the Philippines. So that's really how we started. We have a drafting team in the Philippines. We, My husband and I lived there for five years before we decided to come back. But at that point, we had eight employees. So, you know, we moved back here in 2012 with eight employees. And now 
I think we had a surge. Now we're up to 35 employees right now. Wow. As of yesterday, we just hired two new people. And so my whole point about the business is I still really feel bad that I never got my license, Mark. I went to Columbia University. I had like six years of undergrad and I never used, you know, my architecture degree. But at the same time, I'm really happy to be serving architects right now. We're a drafting company. And even though my work is just drafting, I have clients say, you saved my life. Yeah. Because like we do the overnight thing, right? They deliver drawings at night to us and we produce it overnight. It's kind of like a 24-hour production. So that has become my career path. And now I serve architects. Yeah. And the fact that you're trained as an architect, both at the undergraduate level as well as the master's degree level, you understand architects, right? You don't only understand architecture and how buildings go together, but you understand the mind of the architect, right? And so you starting a business that serves architects puts you at an advantage over other types of companies that do similar things to what you do. And so there's definitely an advantage to that. I want to go back to that decision, right? When you're in your apartment working with your girlfriends and sort of realizing that there's this opportunity here, there must have been a conscious decision, right? That there's two paths here. Yeah. I could shut this thing down and continue my plans as an architect and continue on that work for people and eventually get licensed and maybe start my own architecture firm or take this other route, continue to do this work serving architects, which at that point was becoming successful. What was that decision like? How hard was it to, or was it, you know, a specific intentional decision at that moment? At that time, I was already semi-successful. I had enough money to hire two people from my apartment. Yeah. But my most difficult thing in my head was how can I tell my parents cuz they really helped me, yes. you know, they paid for my education in Asia. Like parents really helped with education. So I had to make that call to my dad and mom and I was like trembling. I'm like, "Mom, dad, I don't want to become an architect." Yeah. After sending me to the US for like 6 years. And my dad was like, "Aya, I'm so proud of you. Whatever it is that you do, I support you." He was like, "I was an attorney." You know, I was an attorney, but I became a business owner. So I support you 100%. Yeah, that's so important and special, right? To have parents to support you like that, right? Because they could have very easily said, hey, what are you doing, right? No, you're going to become an architect. We sent you to the United States to become an architect and you're not doing that. But that's not what happened. Yeah, but until now, up until six years ago, I was still feeling that way because whenever I go to happy hours and events, people couldn't understand I'm highly credentialed in my education and I'm drafting for people. Right. Right. So I had to come to terms with that. And at one point, I already have two kids. I started studying for the exam here in Cleveland, but I was so stressed because that at that point, I think I already had like 10 employees. I was doing a lot of work for like McDonald's and Chipotle, like drafting for them for their ass bills at the same time, taking care of my kids and also getting my license because I thought I was a failure because I never got my license. And then my operations manager told me, hey, Aya, why do you need to get your license? You're already successful. (laughs) But still, you know, maybe when I'm 50, I'll get my license. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of architects battle with that. Yeah. So it sounds like you still struggle with that. And it's an important conversation because I think there are many architects who are in a similar position. And many architects 
take that other route, right? They don't follow their dream and the success that it could be, and they just keep moving forward towards that architecture degree. And many of those architects are really unhappy because they didn't follow their passion. They didn't follow their dream. They didn't follow the opportunity that was presented to them. They went on this other path that they set themselves on that path and never diverted from that. And often they end up in a place where they're really not happy. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm so happy to say that I'm finally really happy because I have a problem to solve and it's a huge problem. Staffing here in the United States is hard to find good quality, fresh graduates because people are burnt out and they don't want to work. And during COVID, you know, I don't think it's really called the great resignation. I think it's called the great aspiration because people realized after COVID that they had choices, especially women. They didn't have to work in a firm for 60 hours a week. They could also do other things. So right now, more than ever, we're very busy because people are more conscious about their lifestyle and quality of life. So that's a struggle in the U.S. At first, I didn't really want to sell my services because I'm very shy. I'm Asian. We're very modest. But at the same time, there's a favorite quote that I always talk about by this guy, Jay Abraham. He said, if you have a product or a service that provides value, it's your moral obligation to serve as many people as you can. Yeah. So that's the way I approach my business is if anyone needs help, I have to morally say, hey, you know, I'm a drafting company. Do you need help? I can really support your business because a lot of the times in the entry architect, Mark, I see a lot of people say I have a wait list of like six months. Like that shouldn't happen. You know, cash flow is important. We don't want to miss the opportunity to grow your business because you don't know what's going to happen with the economy, right? And it's normal that, you know, let my clients wait. I have five projects in the pipeline that's just on hold. So I'm here to support people who really need drafting support. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's a very important role that you play, especially for small firms, because like you say, many small firms are struggling with the workload that they have. They can't find good help to hire them full-time. And it's hard to find a freelancer that just can do their thing and trust them. The other alternative is to hire a company like your company, especially a company that's grown and supported by a trained architect, somebody who understands how we think and work. And so, you know, they could literally hand off the work to you and you and your team can do it. And you have the capacity of 36 people working for you Yeah, that they can give you as much work as they need to give you and with a very quick turnaround. So imagine how that could change a small firm's business model, right? That if you integrate a company like yours and the services that you provide into a small firm's model or a sole practitioner's model and redesign the way that a small firm works, that, you know, this principal does all the client work, does all the design, puts together, you know, some preliminary design development drawings and then sends them off to you and you take care of the rest. And then that gets flipped over and back way faster than they could ever do on their own in their own firm. Yeah. and But we need to shift our mindset because a lot of architects and creatives want to do everything themselves, right? Yeah. Like I was like that. That's why I started this business. I'm very anal about line weights and every protocol and standards, which is why we're successful. 
but it's the mindset of people that they should also try to let go because the only way to grow is to stop drafting seriously right like right. firms should really do focus at marketing business development you know project pipeline planning team management all the processes that re- they need to grow their firm but one experience i had like i said i don't like to sell but one time i saw this woman in facebook who said i'm about to have my fifth child and i'm the breadwinner of my family but you know i don't know if i should quit my job or continue consulting i'm going to give birth soon i reached out to her and sent her a private message i'm like no let me help you and this is my first time really reaching out right and so i helped her and now i think her daughter is already like 2 years old and she was able to to manage it herself until you know i was able to help her during that phase when she gave birth and she's the breadwinner like how can she not continue her business so i reached out to her and these are the people in the women's groups entre architect group that promote me like i'm very respectful of the facebook groups i never want to sell right. but it's the people who recommend and things like that because again if i can help people's quality of life because i was the same way mark one time when i started my business and we got a really big client i did all the drafting myself together with my first employee we went to hong kong for i was living in cebu we went to hong kong for a vacation with my daughter and because i was such a control freak during we went to disneyland i had to leave disneyland to go to my hotel and draft because it was urgent right so yeah. i don't want that to happen to any of my clients or the architects you know on a weekend shut your computer down that's why we started our firms so we can have control of our time but that's not happening right now especially right now post covid when people have all these project surges that they just want to do everything one of the things too that we've done mark because i've been really fortunate in the business i've actually tried to give back as well we now have mgs drafting our youtube channel where we provide help for a lot of architects that are transitioning to revit archicad autocad all these different tricks we have a 10 session crash course for architects who want to learn revit so i've also given this to my clients my clients are like hey we really want to learn revit instead of me saying hire us here these are 10 it's a crash course you should study it but then they end up coming to me anyways but it's there in youtube if you want to access to all these resources we have for architects yeah the youtube channel is mgs drafting yes on youtube yeah and go to youtube.com/mgsdrafting and you'll find Maya's videos Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. Architects, listen up. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety or if you're just a human who lives in this world and is going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. I know this community of small firm architects very well, and I see I see many of you struggling. That's why I reached out to this episode's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online. It's remote, and by filling out just a few questions, BetterHelp can match you with a professional therapist in as little as a few days. 
It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in the show notes. It's betterhelp.com slash architect. Just use that link, betterhelp.com slash architect. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. So you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. If you need someone to talk to, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the show notes or visit betterhelp.com slash architect. That's betterhelp.com slash architect. Thank you to BetterHelp for supporting this podcast and for supporting our community of small firm architects. For over 30 years, RCAT has been providing AEC professionals with high quality and up-to-date building product information. Today, RCAT.com is much more than a product catalog with BIM, CAD, and specifications created in collaboration with manufacturers. Beyond that, RCAT.com also offers lead data, continuing education resources, newsletters featuring the latest projects and products, and don't forget, detailed podcasts. Artcat.com is truly the one-stop shop for everything architecture. Try it out. Go to Artcat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. I think that many small firms know or actually want what you offer, right? They want to find somebody that can support them and help them grow their firms without hiring, without the need for hiring. But I think a lot of them don't know where to start, right? That they're not sure who to trust. They think they can't take the time to transition the way they do it, right? They have the way they do it. They know they're getting the work done that they're doing. And they're afraid to sort of try this other way. What would you say to those people who are sort of like on the fence who really want to be able to outsource some of the work that they do, but they're afraid to proceed with someone? I think it's really good to get a referral, you know, find people who've done it and refer. It's also very traumatizing. A lot of the times, if you find people and all these like fiber up work, they're not consistent. So sometimes they'll disappear when the person has a better opportunity. So get referrals from friends who have done it. Some people are successful in Upwork, Fiverr. Like in my company, people refer me to architects. So get a referral first and also interview people or ask your colleagues who have been successful in outsourcing, right? So that's the most important thing before they get comfortable. Also try an outsourcing partner and see if it works without expectation. Even here in the U.S., one of my architect friends who was so frustrated, he said, I hate employees. He said that to me and I'm like, why? First of all, he hired this guy out of college and this architect of mine, he's been working in high-end residential for 30 years. So how do you expect somebody out of college to learn? So, you know, like architects need to also manage their expectations and also maybe build in like a training plan, a two to three week training plan, and maybe a three-year learning curve, you know, before they lose it is what I'm saying. Because, yeah, and it's really hard. I mean, the good thing about our company, we've been doing this for around maybe since 2008. My first employee is still with me until now. So we've done a lot of work from residential in different parts of the United States. You know, we've done a variety of work. And the good thing about the team is that between the collective, we've done so many different project prototypes. So if people, you know, want to outsource, make sure the company that they hire has experience in the United States and have really good processes because it's important 
to have a digital headquarters, especially when you work with different time zones. So there's a lot of transparency and things are on the cloud. So those are the things I would suggest. Try it out and ask your friends who've been successful and those who haven't too. So you know what are the negative, you know, what's not good about outsourcing and what's good about it. But it's always good to try and ask around. Yeah, that's good advice. And sort of a different part of your story. Again, I want to ask your advice for architects or maybe architects that did get licensed and they have this opportunity to take a different direction, maybe not practice architecture, but do something else or architects who are trained as architects, but end on their path to licensure, but they have this opportunity or this dream that doesn't result in having that license. What do you say to those people, those people who have this opportunity are excited about this other opportunity, but are afraid to take that path because they're on this other path towards licensure. I think you need to take calculated risks because we still need to eat, right? We need to pay for rent. So you should not right away go to whatever you're passionate about, but kind of try things out, test the waters, because that's what I did. I was lucky enough that my husband was supporting me at that time when I wasn't working, but make sure you have a backup plan, especially for people who already have families who are supporting kids, who have a mortgage to pay. Like you need to really plan it out and just work slowly until you can leave your job completely and move on to what you have or, you know, save and, you know, you need to save, have plan for the future, really. Like all of us, right? We save for our weddings, right? We pay our car, we pay for our insurance, we save money for a down payment of a house. But how come we never really plan our pivot, right? It's just kind of like an afterthought. So if somebody wants to do an alternative career and really wants to quit their job, maybe save up to six months to make sure that they have enough to move on to the next thing. But yeah, don't quit your job right away. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I also think that there's a psychological part of it, right? That there's that never becoming licensed. and. I'm an architect also that has taken an alternative path, right? That I'm not a practicing architect anymore. I'm licensed. I actually have a firm, but because Entree Architect has grown and Gable Media has grown, I just don't have time to practice anymore. And I've taken that very intentional, very intentional path to serve architects. And the way I look at it is that it's part of my plan. We're not really part of my plan, part of my path, right? That my licensure, And my education and even having practiced has all led me to where I am today to be able to affect and impact the profession in a different way than I would have alternatively. And you're very much the same. You're doing something very similar. You're serving hundreds of architects that that would not have your support, right? That would have a different story on their side if you and your company didn't exist. And so... Maybe your education at Columbia and NJIT and your path through those early years in architecture were actually all there just to prepare you to found MGS, right? And to support architects and shift the way the profession works and impact the world in a different way. And if you didn't, right, the world would be a different place, right? Those firms would work differently. And that's how I look at what I do, right? That I'm okay with not designing buildings, right? Because I'm affecting the world in a different way and helping other architects design buildings through the work that they do. 
So we actually have very similar stories and very similar paths in terms of that diversion to a different way of serving the world. I really enjoy being in the entree architect community. I wish you were around in 2008. (laughs) (laughs) I probably wouldn't have made all my mistakes, right? If I joined your group, but I'm part of the architect and allies and I love, you know, the group. Everyone is so supportive. And even just the Facebook group, I can just go through the archives and find things about how to get the best insurance for my ENO or whatever. It's such a great resource. And thanks so much for everything that you do. And also, I met you for the first time in Austin. Yeah, at the conference. At the conference. It's one of the best conferences I attended. Thank you. And I go to conferences a lot. It was really like, I felt like I belonged there. You know how other conferences you go to and you feel awkward? I just fit right in. Yeah, I agree. I thank you for that. Yeah. And the next conference is going to be in Nashville, Tennessee in October of 2024. Yes. And so I hope to see you there. For real. Yeah, I'll be there. And also one of the things that I do, Mark, is like I speak in a lot of events now on business and scaling a business and finance and processes. Like I said, I don't have a master's degree, but I have a master's degree in life. A lot of firms, especially small firm owners, are profitable. I think 60 or 70 percent of firms are profitable. I think the average profit margin for a firm is like 15 to 16 percent. But the average small firm makes about 500K. That's the average, right? Am I right, Mark, about 500 to 800,000? It depends on the size of the firm and where you sort of categorize small firms. But yeah. Yeah. So around that. But then the profit margin is only like 15%. That's 81,000 a year. I mean, you know, I made that maybe when I was working, right? Like, so I think architects, I really... One of my advocacies is to help architects become really financially successful and really deep dive into their finances because I was in the same boat. I, you know, I look successful on social media because I have all these big clients, but financially I was just winging it. And I really also encourage architects to really know your finances like a hawk, right? And plan for the future because, you know, this is what we're doing for life. This is our job. We're not employed in a big company where we get pension, benefits, social security. We need to take care of our social security, our IRAs and things like that. That's why it's hard for creatives to talk about money, but I think they should really deep dive and really know their finances really well. Because, you know, we're not, according to Bolanle, and I interviewed her in my podcast, she said, architects, we're not here to fund an expensive hobby, right? So yeah. That's one thing, you know, just look at your finances like a hawk and plan for the future. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. As we wrap up, what would you say is one thing, right? What's the one thing that a small firm architect can do today, right away, to build a better business for tomorrow? One of the things I always say is know your blind spots and know what's going on in the world. A lot of times we get sucked into a drafting and just doing project delivery And we forget about what's going on in the world, economy, current events. So just really try to talk to other people who know more about like their investments and real estate and things to know your blind spots so you can pivot when you can. A lot of residential architects do residential work. That's all. But maybe, you know, you can start pivoting to other services, right? Maybe doing more retail or commercial or whatever, but know your blind spots so you can prepare for the future because, 
there was COVID, there was 2008 recession. There are a lot of things that we don't know and don't expect. So always really look out for your blind spots and know what's going on in the world. Be aware. Very good advice. Aya Schlachter is her name. The company is MGS Global Group. And you can learn more about Aya and the company and all the services they provide at mgsglobalgroup.com. We'll have that link on the show notes. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel with all sorts of training and information over there. MGS Drafting is the YouTube channel. Aya, thank you. Thank you for you serving the profession and helping small firms build better businesses and grow better firms through the work that you do. I appreciate you for that. And I appreciate you for coming by here and sharing your knowledge today at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a link with a friend. That is the best way to help us grow. And that's how we have grown to serve thousands of architects just like you. Share a rating, write a review, but most important, share a link to this episode that you just listened to. Go send it off to a friend. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you to all our sponsors for this episode. Links to the sponsors and all the resources that we discussed today in today's episode. They're all found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. You can now earn continuing education credits for listening to this podcast. Entree Architect Podcast select episodes are available for continuing education credit. Go learn more at gablemedia.com slash members. And if you are a small firm architect, listen up, architects. Join us today at Entree Architect Network, the worldwide organization for small firm entrepreneur architects. That's you with monthly business training, business resources, special session webinars, mastermind groups, and a thriving community of small firm architects. Your peers are there. Hundreds of them are there already. We will provide you with the support and the encouragement that you need to succeed. Hey, and this is super exciting. This is new coming in 2024, Entree Architect Coaches. Yes, finally, after all these years, business coaching for small firm architects. It's coming to Entree Architect Network in early 2024. Join us. Try Entree Architect Network for free for 30 days. It's free for 30 days. Visit network.entrearchitect.com to learn more. That's network.entrearchitect.com to learn more. Try it. Come join us. Try it for 30 days. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, 
stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. So for me, the the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.